Switched On on F104 and I'm joined by psychologist and founder of The Key Clinic, Sarah Worley. Hello. Hello there. Nice to speak to you. Thank you so much for chatting to us. So ASMR is a trend that I have found online quite a bit. I've been watching a lot of glass bottles being broken downstairs, but this is a huge thing that's been around for years that we've only kind of just given a term to. But what exactly does it mean? That's right. So it stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, which is quite a mouthful, ASMR. Um, And what it's referring to is a really pleasant tingling sensation that some people experience in response to certain audiovisual or tactile stimuli. Um, And, you know, what they say is they feel this tingling feeling in their head, their brain kind of goes down their spine, down their back, maybe down to their limbs, and that they're left feeling just really comforted, a sense of well-being afterwards. So, yeah, it's a huge trend at the moment. Huge trend of people like the glass bottles is one that I've seen people eating different fruits and vegetables, a lot of whispering and and soft talking and just talking in general. Does it work? Is it good for your brain? It depends. Some people respond to it. Not all people respond to it. And for some people, there are certain triggers that work and and not for others. Now, I think the smashing the glass bottle thing, I do want to talk about a little bit (laughs) because technically, I would argue that's not really ASMR. Mm. So what ASMR tends to be, it's normally where you have someone up close to the camera doing something rather lovely and gentle. It's the receipt of positive personal unconditional attention from someone who's a very kind and caring individual that's really what seems to be the basis of most asmr responses and it might be that you're looking at a video of someone doing somebody else's hair or giving them acupressure massage or it might be someone crunching things close Mm. to some artificial ears and they record this in a way a binaural they call it it's a way that makes you feel like it's happening next to your ears and that you're actually in that room. Um, so that's what it tends to be. And the glass bottle, certainly that gives you, you know, a bit of a shiver and a shock, but it's not that lovely, relaxing, well-being <laughs> feeling. No, it's it a little a bit, bit more intense. It's a bit more it is. dramatic <laughs> it than, is. Than, than what you're explaining there, which kind of makes sense that it would be relaxing and calming. Because I think on social media, especially, we're so used to everything being so fast and we're, yeah. we're clicking and we're, we're swiping and we're doing all these things. And then suddenly you reach one of these videos and it is very slow it's and calming. quiet. It's soothing. And... Do you know the really interesting thing I found out about this recently? 82% of times when people look up ASMR online, they're doing it at bedtime. They do it at about eight, sort of 10.30 p.m. And they're using it as a sleep aid. And for some people, it really works. It's it's like having that parent kind of soothing you, you know, when you were falling asleep and you were little. It's just reassurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I do think it, it's interesting when you look at the studies that have gone into this, because I think evolutionarily, there's a really good reason for it. And when we look at they've they've done one study of what they call a functional MRI, where they basically look at the brain lighting up in an MRI scanner when someone's experiencing ASMR and they compare it to someone that isn't. And what they've shown is there are two bits of the brain that seem to light up. And one is to do with social behaviours. And the other is to do with touch sensation. And they're saying, you know, these are exactly the same bits of the brain that light up if you are getting that lovely unconditional positive kind attention from a person actually in front of you and Mm. they think it's related evolutionarily to grooming so if you've got primates you know they're always 
you know, picking at each other yeah, and it's like doing or something. <laughs> and it does it does look incredibly relaxing. And it's a really important way for that group to bond together and mm-hmm. and to feel calm and to feel cohesion. And we think that this is channeling something similar. It is interesting because I read an article and there was somebody talking about ASMR and he was saying that he couldn't think of anything worse than sitting listening to someone eating or crunching (laughs) on things (laughs) which I can understand as well because sometimes when someone's sitting beside you and they're eating a big loud apple or something you're just like can you you know scooch down the table a little bit (laughs) I don't need to hear that so I can understand where that's coming from so I totally get it yeah I totally get that and there is actually a condition it's called misophonia And it it literally translates into hatred of sound. And there are some people who are just super sensitive, particularly to human sounds. So people breathing heavily or, you know, uh, someone chewing next to you, driving you crazy. Or or even it could be someone texting away on the phone. Um, But what's interesting, uh, you know, you would think of these things as being polar opposites. But actually, I I have an ASMR expert, they're called ASMR, ASM artists is what they're known as, explained to me recently that actually the two are very closely related. And it's the people that tend to be very sensitive to sound that can have extreme pleasure and reaction from these ASMR videos. But it can tip over for them sometimes too much and turn into complete hatred and increasing their stress and their anger. So, yeah, it's kind of a love-hate relationship, I'd say. Yeah, there seems to be a fine line between the two. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And, you know, the other thing that's interesting, another study that they did on this um, at Sheffield University, they were able to show that when people experience ASMR, um, their heartbeat slows. They've shown it goes down about 3.2 beats a minute, which is kind of similar to mindfulness meditation and the breathing slows as well. So it definitely has a physiological effect on people. I was going to ask you, if you are one of those people who finds this the worst thing impossible to listen to, is there other ways of getting the same benefits? The same benefits of relaxation? Well, I definitely say if you can't bear the sound bit, definitely try something else. And Mm -hmm. there are all sorts of techniques really for helping to, to get you into a calm state. Um, so one of them is breathing. And there are, you know, I don't know if you've heard of box breathing techniques, but very simple kind of breathing in for four, holding for four, exhaling for four, etc. That's a very quick way to switch your nervous system over from what they call a sympathetic um, fight or flight down into a calmer mode. Um, and there's another type of music called binaural beats, which, again, is quite a lot of research evidence behind it. Um, and it's it's much more soothing music. And again, they've shown that it can literally take you from that fight or flight mode into a much calmer mode quite quickly. To be fair, I, I can totally understand that because almost like when you're listening to the ocean, I can kind of feel it would be that kind of music rather yeah. than maybe the eating yes. or the crunching. <laughs> yeah, yeah the that's ocean. right. It's something much more soothing, but it's got, uh, I'm working with a leading professor of audiology in, in uh, Queen Mary University in London at the moment. And I'm informed by him, Professor Joshua Reese, that there's just a slight tonal difference between what goes in one ear and what goes in the other. And it Ooh. kind of plays a trick on the brain that that causes it to kind of relax, to relax into a deep state. So it's it's really interesting. interesting. So that's binaural beats, you know, but but there is other, I mean, there's other work that we do that again, we've developed with Professor Joshua Reese. And part of it is how to correct hypersensitive hearing. So, mm-hmm. you know, we get lots of people that come to us um, with all sorts of issues and 
you know, we say, well, have you had a hearing test? And very often they'll say, well, yes, we have. And what they mean is they've looked to see if there's any hearing loss. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're looking for is more than that. We're looking at how someone actually hears. And you could have an individual who's been told, oh, your hearing's totally normal. And when you test them, they've got through the roof hypersensitivity. So, you know, you might be a child sitting in a classroom that's listening to the overhead light bulb because it's so loud. Or wow. someone in the back of the class it's like someone shouting in your ear so of course you're going to be distractible um and we often see this uh for example in autistic spectrum um that often there's this very hypersensitive hearing so a large part of the work we do is actually to correct that so we do a very intensive um it's a 10-day listening program that you can do uh remotely and we can bring that hypersensitivity within a more normal range and very often you know, that can lead to breakthroughs in, in the ability to function, the ability to cope um, in noisy environments. That's so interesting because it's something you may not even consider checking because you're like, oh, my hearing's good. So why would I bother checking yeah. anything else? That's very interesting. All right. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. There can be all sorts of issues with hearing. I mean, we also see different patterns, for example, with dyslexia, mm-hmm. where where um, basically they're jumping from one ear to another to tune into different sounds within language. And that has a very weird effect. It actually ends up mixing up the order of sounds within words. And so then you write it down the wrong way and you're told, oh, you're no good at spelling. You're probably dyslexic. Well, that's kind of how you're hearing the information because it's coming in different ears at different rates. So, again, that's another whole area that we work with. But I think people often ignore how you hear. They just think, can you hear or can't you? Yeah. But it's, it's a little more nuanced than that. Well, we'll definitely get you back to talk a bit more about that because that's very, very interesting. Founder of The Key Clinic, thank you so much for chatting to us. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure.